Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I had a nickname in high school. Anybody in here have a nickname when you were in school? Anybody have a nickname you really didn't like to have when you were in school? Yeah, okay. Well, here's how I got mine. My freshman year of high school, um, I played on the football team, freshman team, and our quarterback, his name was Brian Quigley. And somehow I got this idea, I started calling him Squiggly Quigley. Squiggly. Okay, and he didn't, didn't like that very much, which seemed like all the more reason to do it at the time. Uh, that's how, you know, you reason when you're a freshman in high school. Anyway, so I kept that there. And so one day, all of a sudden, he started calling me Wally. That wasn't the name I chose or wanted to choose, okay? So he'd call me Wally, and it was kind of thing went back and forth. Well, we, we you know, made it out of our freshman year, made it the sophomore year. In the sophomore year, we began practicing with the JV team and the, the varsity team, all wrapped up together. And... What I didn't know is that, I mean, these coaches, these new coaches for us, um, and they don't know us. And apparently they heard him calling me Wally. And so when the program came out, this is in Kansas City, they had a program that was printed every you know, week and had the roster in there. And sure enough, guess what my name was in the roster? Wally Graham. Wally. <laughs> anyway, so I, you know, I just, what are you going to do? So I just live with it. And the coaches called me Wally. And, and, but here's, here's what I found out is that um, I could tell after, in the last, in the, uh, that, that last year or so, um, who only knew me through football. I walk in the barber shop. I remember very clearly the first time ever I walked into the barber shop and he said, Hey, Wally. I'm like, oh, no. And so I was Wally. So if I went someplace and they're calling me Wally, uh, my friends didn't call me Wally, but if I was getting called Wally, it was because those people knew me through football. And uh, we, we were a great football team that year. I played on defense primarily and uh, um, played like an outside linebacker, cornerback kind of position. And I was a small guy, I was about 160 pounds at the time, believe it or not. And, uh, um, and I, so the teams would see that in the scouting, that here's this little guy over here. So they would try to run around my end. But here was my, my uh, creed, if you run around my end, you get hurt. Okay, and so I, you know, that was, I was doing that. Made honorable mention, all conference in Kansas City there. Big deal for me at the time, right now, it's what's gonna matter, it doesn't matter anymore. But the point is, is so more and more people knew me as Wally. And they liked that the team was winning. In fact, we went undefeated during the regular season that year. And our defense let nobody score the entire year until the last game when uh, we were so far ahead, they put in the substitutes and they scored on the substitutes. Anyway, so it was cool. So if someone's calling me Wally out there in the community, it's because they like me, right? They know about me and you're part of our team and they'd call me Wally. So, but I want you to see is that what people th think about someone does eventually come out in how they interact with someone. 
And so someone is thinking to me, oh, he's on the football team, one of the, the players and done so well. I got called Wally. And so how we really feel about people, how we value people shows up on the outside. Now, when that's a good thing, it's a good thing. But when what is showing up on the outside isn't such a good thing, we need to say what's going on on the inside. And so we want to look at a story today where Jesus challenges us about this issue, how we look at people, how we value them. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to grab one from under the chairs there in front of you and turn to page 1191. We're starting on that page today. Luke chapter 7. And before I uh, begin reading, just to review a little bit, we talked about this recently, um, the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees were often, you know, in, in Jesus' face and challenging him and resisting. And, and uh, so they were largely a negative group by the time of Jesus. Uh, but where they came from is during the captivity, while the Jews had been taken away from Israel, and they were all out there in captivity, and the Jews were trying to figure out, what does it mean to be a Jew? What does it mean to be one of God's people when we don't have a temple to worship at and to offer sacrifices at? And how do we, how do we be a good Jew? And so the Pharisees arose during this time trying to address that issue. What does the, the scripture say and how do we live these things out? And I think most of us are familiar, and, oh, let me say first of all, start off as a good thing, well-intended good thing. But by the time Jesus gets here, it has become uh, a very rigid, a harsh approach to life. Man, there are multiple rules that they've added, multiple layers of things that they have added. Here's what God says you can do, here's what you can't do, and, and um, just really not a positive thing because it missed the whole heart aspect of it, which is what Jesus was talking about, the heart. And so this is why we had this conflict and uh, their, their powers being threatened. Uh, but some of the Pharisees, it would seem as we look at it, were intrigued by Jesus. Even though they were a part of the Pharisees, they were still sort of some interest in wondering, right? And so I think the Pharisee we're going to look at today had that. He was wondering about Jesus. He had a little bit of openness to him. So let's read in verse 36. <clears throat> then one of the Pharisees asked him, asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Now, we might not think that's a big deal, but in this day and age, it was a big deal because hospitality was such an important part. And if you invited someone to your house, it's because you wanted to honor them. And if you went, you were honoring them back. Okay, so it's a big deal. So it, it looks from the outside like what? Yeah, maybe the Pharisee's honoring Jesus, but that Jesus is also honoring the Pharisee. And... and um, let me give you an example. I, I was talking to a man this last week who was telling me about his pastor. Have you got invited to be part of a debate, discussion debate, on the existence of God? There's going to be an atheist, one or two atheists on one side of the panel, and then there on the other side, obviously talking about the existence of God, was him, a Bible-believing Christian, and then they had invited a Muslim imam to also be there to argue for the existence of God. And I thought to myself, I said, man, I, would I want to do that? 
Would I want to be sitting on the same side as the Muslim imam arguing for the existence of God? And, and be honest, with you, I, I haven't come up with a settled decision how I would feel about that. Uh, now his pastor did and went out afterwards and talked to him at length, but the point is, the reason I wouldn't know if I'd want to do this is because I wouldn't want to be associated with the idea, oh, we believe the same thing. <laughs> because we don't, right? And I would be worried about that. And I might have thought that Jesus would have been concerned about that. If I go to the house of this Pharisee and have dinner with him, people might think that I'm endorsing what they believe. But Jesus what? Didn't seem worried about that. He just went. And, and I think before we're done here, you'll see that the reason he went was because he cared about this man. This man was more important to him than what other people might think. Really big. Okay, so let's continue reading. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. So let's just stop right there. So this woman is identified here as a sinner. <laughs> Would you like that to be your identification by the people, sinner? What this meant is that obviously she, the way she was living her life, whether it was uh, where she was, who she was living with, or what she had done, whatever, she is known to be a woman who is involved in sinful behaviors. Okay? And she shows up at the Pharisee's house. Now, why in the world would she come to the Pharisee's house? Because how is the Pharisee going to look at her? And by the way, this guy's name is Simon. We're going to see. Well, how, how does the Pharisee feel about this woman? We think. Man, is he looking down? He's judgmental of her, right? Judging her, looking down on her, and, and not having, seeing her as a sinner. That's who he saw when he saw this woman, seeing her as a sinner. But she comes anyway. She comes into the house anyway. Why would she do that, knowing she would be so harshly and critically judged? Well, let's read on. Verse 38, and she came and she stood at his feet behind him weeping, then began to wash his feet, talking about Jesus, wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And then, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, does anybody besides me think that's just weird? Right? I mean, if you didn't know anything about the Bible culture, that would be weird, right? If someone showed up at your house and started uh, uh, washing your feet with their hair. I mean, you know. But in this culture, um, you have to understand that when a guest came to your house, because, you know, they all wore sandals, it was dusty, dirty, and when someone would come to your house, you would honor them by, if, if you were well enough off and had a servant, you would have a servant come with the basin and wash your feet clean for you, okay? And if they couldn't afford a servant, they would at least provide the water so you could wash them yourselves. Well, Simon hadn't done that. But this woman comes and now she is doing it. She is showing that she honors the Lord, that she highly values him. And this is very personal to her. Again, even the using of her hair, very personal to her. Um, she valued the Lord enough to face the scorn of the others. So I don't forget it. it. We need to value the Lord enough that we're willing to face the scorn of others. 
You know what I mean? To where we value the Lord enough to say and to do what we ought to say and do, even if it brings the scorn of others. He ought to be that important to us. Which doesn't that convict you every time you, in a situation where you think, maybe I should say something, maybe I should witness here, I should say something about Christ, but you don't because of how people will think of you. Whoa. We value what other people think more than we value Jesus. That's a problem. Okay, so let's, let's get back to this. For us, this would be more like if we were acting this way, we would like, you know, shake the hand vigorously, maybe give a hug and then just express our gratitude. Thank you so much for what you've done to me. It just means more to me than you know. I'm eternally grateful trying to express it. That's what this woman was expressing. Let's continue. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. The idea is if Jesus had known, he wouldn't have let her do this. He wouldn't have let this happen if Jesus had really been, you know, somebody special with God. He would have known. Well, Simon is wrong about Jesus, isn't he? He's wrong about who he is. Because did Jesus, you think Jesus knew who this woman was? Do you think Jesus knew what this woman was like? He absolutely knew. And then um, he, this, this Simon is saying, but if he knew, he wouldn't have let this happen. But he did know and he did let it happen. So Simon is wrong about Jesus, isn't he? And um, yes, let me say this. If, if you're wrong about Jesus, you'll be wrong about people. Okay? You won't get people right when you get Jesus wrong. You won't. Because think about this. Jesus knew what this woman was like, and he let her do this, even though he knew what? The people around would think, scandal, this isn't right. Why would he do this? I mean, if I were Jesus, of course, that's, once again, I'm putting my culture in there. I'd be pretty uncomfortable with that, what was going on. And, but... He was uncomfortable with it. He probably knew other people were uncomfortable with it. He probably knew this might even bring accusation to her, but none of that mattered. Because you know why? She mattered. None of that other stuff mattered to Jesus because this woman mattered to Jesus. Man, we need to let that kind of stuff sink in. Okay? And we're going to get a little more personal about this in a little while. I, I get this sense that in my own self, in my own life, I see it. And then I see it in us, and I see it in Christianity at large in our nation. And that's that, that we really don't know Jesus very well. We don't know Jesus very well. Now, we know what we believe about Jesus pretty well. There's a difference, isn't there? We know our belief systems. We know our practices well. We maybe know our values well. We can tell you why we do this, why we don't. We know all that stuff very well, but we don't know Jesus very well. It's not really real personal. And when it isn't real personal, that means we don't really know what he's like, and we're not getting Jesus right, and so we're much more likely to do what? Be wrong about people. And so we need to get to know him. The Apostle Paul said this was more importantly important to anything else in him. In Philippians, he said, more important than anything else that I may know him. I need to know him. 
personally. And so we need to, we really need to go back and get in the Gospels. Now that's how you can get to know Jesus, one of the ways, get to know, get in the Gospels and say, what is he saying? What is he doing? Why is he doing that? Why isn't he doing that? What's going on? And, and really start to get to know Jesus. Wow, here's what he's like. I know him, I, I, guess I know how he would respond in this situation. Get to know him that well. And by the way, that takes effort. Sometimes it's easier to know a list of things you believe and a list of things you do and a list of things you don't do. That's a lot easier than it is to get to know Jesus. But we gotta lean into this, folks. We gotta get to know Jesus because if we don't, we'll be wrong about people, okay? And we can't afford to be wrong about people if we're gonna glorify the Lord and accomplish what he wants us to accomplish in our world. So let's go on with the story. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, to the Pharisees, Simon, I have something to say to you. By the way, I, I just, just, just notice this here. The text refers to this man repeatedly as the Pharisee, a fair, the Pharisee, right? The Pharisee. Jesus calls the Pharisee what? Simon. How does Jesus see this man? Does Jesus know he's a Pharisee? Sure he knows he's a Pharisee. He knows the problems that are going to go along with it because of, but he sees him more as Simon, as a human being, a person. Okay, and Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Now let's give Simon some credit here because Simon could have easily said, forget it. You don't know what you're doing here. My house has been disgraced because you have allowed this woman to do that to you. you know, just, just leave. Instead, he says, okay, tell me. He wants to hear. So there's some sense of openness here, it seems like. Verse 41, Jesus tells him a story. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, a denarius at this time, a piece of money, uh, and it was... Uh, what a common laborer would make in a day was one Darius, okay? So when it says 50 denarii, that's about eight weeks of work, eight weeks of paycheck that he owed. And the guy who owes 500, we're talking about getting in close to two years worth of wages. Significant debt, isn't it, okay? All right, so one owed 500, one owed 50, verse 42. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he, this creditor, freely forgave them both. And then Jesus asked, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Who will love this man more for forgiving? The man who had 50, owed 50 denarii or the man who owed 500 denarii? Who had the most forgiven, right? The man, so... He asked this question, verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. Um, he got it right. He got the answer right. And yet how was he living his life? You can know a lot of right answers, but never answer the questions that really matter. And 
that's what someone like Simon had been doing. He knew the right answers to the questions, but he wasn't answering the questions he needed to answer, which is like, how do you see people? How do you value people? Do you have the same heart that God has? Do you have the same value system that God has? He, he wasn't answering the right questions. And, and I think this is pertinent to us, okay? Um, you know, my, I am a Baptist when it comes to my understanding of the scripture. I absolutely am that, uh, you know, means some very important things to me. And when I became a follower of Christ, I was so excited. One of the things that excited me most that, that I had found the truth. I found the truth in a world full of errors. You know, first I found the one who is the truth, Jesus, right? And then I found the truth that's written in the word of God. All of this truth, and I learned the truth. And it took me a long time till God finally got a hold of me and shook me enough to say, that's awesome, but what about the people? What about people? Well, yeah, but I really care about the truth. Yeah, but what about the people? Let me ask you a question, and I'm going to leave it to you to ponder it. Are people more important than, I don't want to say this. Just bear with me a little bit. The brain's going. When it comes down to it, which do I need to be the most concerned about taking care of or protecting? Do I need to be more concerned about taking care of and protecting the truth or taking care of and protecting people? Now think about that. Does truth matter? It absolutely matters. Do people matter? Absolutely matter. And so we need to figure out how to find that balance. Okay. All right, so, um, yeah, let's go on. Verse 40, where were we? Verse 40, 44. So the idea is, oh, I, I, I know, I, I actually stopped. Let me just continue here. Um, as Bible-believing Christians, we can get really caught up in having all the right answers for the things that we believe all the right answers for why what other people's beliefs are not correct. We can have all those right answers and still be way out in left field when it comes to how we're supposed to relate to people, how we feel about people, what our responsibilities toward people are. Okay, that was the point. So right answers matter, but let's make sure we're also answering the right questions. All right, let's continue here. Verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Uh, I think this is, uh, uh, you know, it seems like a simple statement. I think it's a lot bigger than we realize. First of all, Jesus is here. He's talking to Simon and he's turning and, and making Simon do what? Connect with this woman. He's making her connect with him. Now, how did Simon view this woman? She was a what? A sinner. Simon looks over and sees a sinner. Sees this person who, you know, we don't want anything to do with. See this person, whatever. And, and Jesus says, no, Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this person? Do you see this human being? Do you see her? Do you see her that way? 
And this is, this is huge. This is the turning point in this discussion. And so, how do you see people? Especially those who do not believe what you believe. How do you see people who do not live the way you think they ought to live? How do you see people maybe who give you a bad time and really irk you? How do you see people? Do you see them as people? There's a challenge to us. Don't see a sinner. Don't see a label. Don't see a caricature. See a person. See a person. <clears throat> Anybody besides me really just kind of tired of the way people are talking to each other in our culture? You know, in politics, not just in politics, in the media, and then in social media, and it's just, man, how people talk to each other is crazy. Um, <clears throat> how about this thing with the NFL players? Now, I bet there's someone here who has some pretty strong feelings about what's going on there, but let me tell you, I have watched people, I've seen online, it's like, you know, for me that world is mostly Facebook, that part of this, but I've seen people talking to each other, and stay talking about that situation, and talking about these players, and, and they totally devalue other people. These people do not matter to me. Only my position matters. I'm right, and they, they you know, and it's a total devaluing of the people who, you know, they disagree with. And you could go either way with this discussion, so but let me just go with it this way, just for example. The idea is, is those players who are making a decision to kneel down, right, and they're having their protest, and I have my opinions about whether that's what they ought to do and whether it's the time. I mean, I have my opinions about that. But if I devalue those people and treat them like whatever, how is that Christian? These are human beings. There's reasons why they feel the way they do. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but it's real to them. They are people who matter, and they matter to the Lord. Uh, and here's the deal. If when we are, <clears throat> excuse me, evaluating them as a label, you know, or a caricature, we're devaluing them as human beings. Conservative Republican, liberal Democrat, gay, uh, socialist, uh, whatever, and you, label. That's what we do, label, label, label. Man, we have missed the point. We have missed the way the Lord looks at these people. And when we do this, who do we think has it all right? Isn't it true, right? When we find ourselves with that kind of attitude, who do we think is right? Come on. Ourselves, ourselves exactly. We think that we are the ones who have it right. And, and so, we're wrong about Jesus, and then we're wrong about people, and this is how it plays out, okay? So let's look, see what Jesus says here. Jesus is gonna uh, go after Simon and his self-righteousness. Verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, you didn't, you didn't honor me as your guest. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, 
you know, the kind of kiss they greet with in the Middle East. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Jesus is going after Simon's self-righteousness because Simon has a lot of right information, Simon has a lot of right answers, but Simon devalues people. And, and I mean, you see this. Love for others never flows out of self-righteousness. When your focus is on yourself and I'm right, love does not flow from there. You know what we need instead? We need a genuine humility, a biblical humility. And a biblical humility is not saying that I am worthless or I'm no good. Isn't that at all? It's understanding that apart from the Lord, I'm hopeless and helpless. And God in his graciousness has reached out to me and loved me and, and forgiven me. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm humble. And when you get there, all of a sudden it starts to change how you think about other people. But as long as you hang on to this, I'm the one who's right. I'm right about you and you and you. You don't agree with me. You're this and that and the other thing. Um, now, when I was thinking about this on, on just on social media, when you're on social media, just be really careful. I mean, I expect people who don't know the Lord out there to devalue other people. I do. Because they don't, they're wrong about Jesus, they'll be wrong about people. But us Christians, I, I mean, I have, my, most of my friends across the country that I'm on Facebook with are Christians. And I saw some things said that were just like, I can't believe we're talking about human beings this way. I actually had to have a conversation with one of them and a very good and godly man and wants to serve God. And, I, and we'd had a conversation and he, he saw, you're right, that I'm not... <laughs> Here's the deal. If you want to have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, you better value them. Right? If you communicate you don't value them, there goes the opportunity to share Christ with them. So we have some things that are so much more important. We need to, to see people the way that they are, the way God intends for us to see them. So love never flows out of self-righteousness. Let's read the rest of the passage here. Verse 47, therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he's not saying her sins are forgiven because she loves much. He says we know that she has this awareness that much was forgiven because she loves much. And um, Humility, again, comes from realizing how much we need the Lord's forgiveness. Since verse 48, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so Jesus just, just deals with this woman. It's, and once again, he knew his saying, you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Go and live a life of peace was going to raise all sorts of problems with these people, but he valued this woman enough to do that anyway. To do that anyway. So what do we learn from this today? And just, I think I already said it, but it's just, it's crossing my mind here, so I'm going to grab it on the way by. 
We are not saying that there isn't truth. We're not saying that things are right and wrong. We aren't saying that when people are wrong, that they're wrong, they are wrong. If they're sinful, they're sinful. We're not talking about that. We're talking about how we feel about them. And understand this, that people are valuable simply because they are people. Every human being is valuable. Now that's not just some nice statement that we throw out there. We know this because of what the Bible says. In the book of Genesis, it tells us that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God creates human beings with one of his intentions being that we would somehow rather express what he is like. That, that we would be an expression of him. Now, sin came into the world, and sin made this hard. Sin made this difficult. Sin put scars on the image. Sin put cracks in the image. Sin created problems. But you know what? Even through that, the image of God is still there. You know what that means? I'll tell you in just a moment. How many people in the world today? Seven billion people. Right about that. And how many people lived before? I don't know. But every one of those people created the image of God. And God still has not fully expressed his image. But every one of those people intended to express something about God. That means that every person you will ever meet is worth knowing. That person is worth knowing because if you can get into a relationship with that person enough, you will learn something about God. There's something there to learn about what God is like and how he works. Um, that's from the worst sinner that you could ever know up to the best person example you could ever follow. There's something to be known, something to be valued. Um, second reason we know this is true that people are valued just because they're people is because of how God feels about them. Finish this verse with me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. Romans chapter five, it tells us, well, let's read the verse, but God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he loved us when we were still what? The sinners. First uh, John, uh, it says, and he himself is the propitiation or the satisfactory payment for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, are all those people going to get saved? Are there people who will say to Jesus, nope, don't want you? Yet Jesus paid. He provided a satisfactory payment even for those who would reject him. How much does Jesus value every human being. You get the point? He values even those who want nothing to do with him. He values them highly. And he proved it by dying for them. And so people are valuable just because they are people. Second thing we can understand is this, is that how you treat people reveals how you value people. What comes out on the outside is going to show it. And if you're doing the label thing, the caricature thing, and, and devaluing people, on the inside, it's going to come out. It's going to show up. It always does. Next thing is how you value people reveals how you value the Lord. Say, so, wait a minute. That's not fair. That's not true. I value the Lord highly, and I struggle with people. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. 
But uh, how you value people reveals how you value the Lord. Imagine this. You say to the Lord, you're able to have this conversation with you. You say, Lord, I love you. You've been so gracious to me. You have forgiven me so much. I just love you. But you know what? I have no use for these people. I know you value them highly, God, but I don't. I just don't care about what you care about. Now, can both of those really be true? No, they can't. And Jesus said this. He said, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. When you refused to help the least of these, you were refusing to help me. When you devalued that person and saw them as less than a person, saw them as something, when you devalued that person, you devalued me. And when you valued that person highly, you valued me highly. Okay. And finally, how you value people reveals how much you're like the Lord or not. How you value people reveals how much you're like the Lord. We've already seen this. The Lord values people supremely, doesn't he? Um, he values those people that you don't want to talk to. He values those people that you are disgusted by. He values those people who just give you problems all the time. He values those people. And that doesn't mean there aren't issues we have to deal with. There are. So how you value people reveals how much you're like the Lord. Because Jesus said in his commandment in John 13, he says this, as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. When you value what I value. And so the question is, do you see this sinner? Or do you see this woman? Do you see this person, this human being? Father, we come to you and thank you for your working in our lives. Thank you that you challenge us about these kinds of things. Thank you that you value us so highly that you sent your son to die to be our savior. We can never express our gratitude enough for that. Um, I pray, Father, that you would really challenge us about how we're looking at those people who disagree with us, who disagree with you, people who are wrong about things. Father, how do we treat them? How do we see them? Do we see them as sinners, Lord, or do we see them as people who are being hurt by sin, people like us? Help us to see people the way you do. Convict us when we don't. Help us to go out from here, Father, open and ready to engage people with your love. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. You are dismissed.